1 John chapter 2, verse 28 to 3, verse 10. And it reads, And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it does not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks, breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he has appeared so that he may take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of Man appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin. Because God's seed remains in him, in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. One of the disappointing things about corruption in South Africa, in the public sector and in the private sector, by the way, is the absence of those who stand up to it because they are inspired by their firm faith. Is the absence of those who, who come up to the, I don't know, the Zonal Commission or the equivalent of the many commissions that we have had and say that I, I, I did not do this because of my commitment to God and to doing the right thing. Which then 
makes us to imply from the silence of those um, who commit corruption and the proportion of people in South Africa, roughly 80% or so, who say that they associate themselves with Christianity, that even among the people of God are the corrupt, are those who are stealing from the poor for their own personal benefit. But it's disappointing is two things. One is the silence of those who are Christians who are not standing up, not saying anything. And secondly, it is the corruption that is found even among those who purport to be the people of God. Those who are meant to be the light in the world, but their lives do not reflect anything different from what we see in the private sector or in the public sector. Those who are called to be distinct are no different from those who take from the poor. This makes it hard for us as a collection, as a group of people who call themselves Christians to be effective in our witness to the world. Because the world knows that Christians are meant to be different, which is why they point out, for instance, if a, if a Christian is, a, is involved in abuse, or if a, if a, a church is doing something that uh, they should not have been doing, we are meant to be the ones who are ho- holy, in a sinful world, the ones who are hopeful in a world that is downcast, the ones who's, who have a clear conscience in a world guilty of sin. One of the reasons why our message seems hypocritical is not because of what we say, but because of how we live before the world. We are looking at the book of John, uh, 1 John chapter 2 and 3 this morning. But I just want to take us first through a brief overview of where we have been in in the book of, of 1 John. John's concern for his readers is that they would be assured of their fellowship with the Father. He is doing this in order to protect them against those who have left against those who are, who are coming and are teaching them that Jesus, this Jesus whom you believe in is not the Christ, is not the Savior. We can see that these people have left the church in verses 19. But even though they have left, we see in verses 26 and in chapter 3 verse 7 that the, the threat of their teaching is still visible within the church. So therefore, John writes to assure true believers in Jesus Christ of their relationship with God and to encourage them to walk in truth and to continue to love as those who enjoy fellowship with God. 
As we get to verse 28 of chapter 2, John has moved on into the second section of the letter. Warning people against the, uh, the, 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 the attractiveness of the world and urging them to remain in Christ. This has to do not just with believing the right thing, that is not being turned away by the false, t- by the false teaching of the Antichrist, not just believing the right thing that, you know, if you are a Christian, you ought to love one another, you ought to love God, but rather into living out their faith in the world. He's not turned to living. In chapter 1 to chapter 2, verse 27, was, was about what should you believe? What should you believe about your sin? What should you believe about God and what he calls you to? In chapter 2, verses 1 to 6. What should you believe about uh, the laws of God, about your relationship with those who are in the family of God. Why should we believe in light of false teaching? But now, now that you know all of that, how then should Christians live? How then should Christians live in a world filled with sin? And we see this in verses 2, 28 to 3, verse 6. The first thing he instructs them of there is that the children of God do not continue to sin. The children of God do not continue to sin. Let's look at it together um, in chapter 2, verses 28 to 3, verse 6. Verse 28, he says, And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, you may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. He encourages those who are believers in Christ, which is why it says uh, right at the beginning there, dear children, Continue in him that he's therefore speaking to those who are in him, not those who have left the church. He says, I want you to live in such a way that when Christ comes back, you may be unashamed of your conduct. That you may be uh, confident in your own faith because you have lived a righteous life, verse 29. If you know that he is righteous, Verse 29, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. One, you have a righteous God. And then the children of of this righteous God do the right thing as well. How will you not be ashamed when Christ comes back? By living a righteous life before him, following his example. So, in verses 28 to, to chapter 3, verses 1, he first reminds the Christians of who they are, of their adoption in Christ, of their call to, be, uh, to become members of God's family who do the right thing just as God does the right thing, who are righteous just as God is righteous. 
And then we see in chapter uh, 3, verse 2, that the children of God shall be like him. Let's look together. Chapter 3, verse 2. Dear children, now we are children of God. That is a statement there. Dear children, you and I are children of God. You and I are children of the Father, born of God, who has been adopted into this family, are the children of God. So then how shall you live? Verse 2. How then does this relationship, how does this adoption uh, supposed to shape you? What you will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. We know partly about how we should act now. We know partly about what it means to be a child of God, to, become a, to be a member of God's family. You know partly that. But you don't know the full picture. We don't know the full glorified version of what we shall be, John tells us, tells us there. But in verse 3, he tells us that even though we don't know how we shall be and we, and we shall be made uh, like him when he comes, when we see him as he is, children of God purify themselves just as he is pure. So in other ways, that they adopt characteristics that are similar to their adoptive father. We may not be perfect, John is indicating to us here, but we are called to follow the example of God. What does being like God look like? What does it need? It, it, it means purifying ourselves, just as he is pure. In verse 4, chapter 3, it means keeping the law. It means not breaking the law. It means not keeping on sinning in verse 6. So the logic here of the text is very clear. That you have been adopted into the family of God, you have been lavished this love that you, you did not deserve. And now that you are a child of God, the instruction is be like him. Be pure as he is pure. Because in God there is no sin. So therefore there must be no sin in you as well. Let's look back in verse 6. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. So there's no one who lives in him, or another, way, another word for that, who remains in him, keeps on sinning. 
In other versions, I think it says there, no one who lives in him sins. But the word therefore sinning uh, is a sort of present continuous tense. That is, you are in the habit of sinning. You are, you are not turning around in repentance and faith. You are just continuing downhill, basically. You have no concern for repentance. There's no turning to God in faith in you. But you are just keeping on sinning. In the second part of verse 6, it says, No one who continues to sin or keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. So therefore, this person who has adopted an attitude of, uh, I don't care about holiness, I'm just going to live the way that I want, I'm going to continue to sin, no one is going to stop me, John is saying that that person does not know God at all. The one who, who is just content with a downward spiral of sin does not know God at all. That's an indicator that they have not been adopted into God's family. So therefore, he's telling to the, the, the Christians... And he's saying to you, you are different. You are different. You are not, uh, to illustrate this, like someone who has been rescued from drowning, who has been put on a boat and given a life jacket, something warm uh, for them to eat. You are not that person who has been rescued, loved, cared for, and brought into God's family, but then you keep on going back to the water, taking off the life jacket, and going back to the situation which was drowning you. You are different, John says. Your life has been turned around. You are called to righteousness, just as he is righteous. You are called to Purity, just as God is pure. You are called to holiness, just as God is holy. So the first thing we see there is that those who call themselves children of God do not continue to sin. The second thing that we see is that those who remain in sin are the children of the devil. This is just the second part of the same argument, the same coin, as it were. Is that those who are children of God do not sin, not continue to sin, do not, uh, 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 not comfortable with a lifestyle of disappointing their father. John says that those who are comfortable, those who embrace this lifestyle of disappointing God, those who have no concern for purity, those are children of the devil. Verses 7 to 10. It says, Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is 
right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. So in other words, you have two masters to choose from here. One, you can choose the devil and do what is unrighteous and sinful. Or one, you can choose God, the one who is righteous. One, you can choose to, <coughs> obedience to God and his laws. On the other hand, you can choose sin and unrighteousness. One, you can be led to God through faith. On the other, you can be led astray away from Christ by these false teachers that you embrace a life of sin and unrighteousness. He comes, he tells us in the second part of verse 8 that Christ has come into the world to destroy the work of of the devil. He has come into the world to destroy it. But you, by continuing to hold on to sin, you are holding on to that which God, to, 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 to the crumbling building, that which God has destroyed. Verse 9, it says, no one who is born of God will continue to sin. We've, we've seen this before. That the one who is a child of God is not okay with continuing to sin. And now we, in verse 9, we are given another reason. Because God's seed remains in them. They cannot continue to go on sinning because they've been born of God. The ones who have been born of God have something of God in them. Those who are adopted um, into God's family are given the seed of God. They are given new life, as it were. This is similar to what John had said um, much earlier in chapter 2, verses uh, 20 and 21 up to saying to the believers that they have the anointing of God. So therefore, they don't, need, they don't need to be taught anything that they have God in them in, so that they cannot therefore be led astray that they should listen to the Holy Spirit in them. This is the same idea is that these people have God in them as well. So therefore, they should act according to their new nature. Just as, the, uh, as, as we saw last week, that they sh these believers should not listen to the false teachers, but should, should rather listen to the Holy Spirit in them that has been given. John is encouraging believers here to act in accordance to their new status as the children of God. To do what is right and to love God and to love 
one another, which we saw in the middle of chapter 2. The Son of God has appeared to destroy the works of the devil. Those who are born of God and in whom God's seed remains will not be sinless, but will strive against sin. They will, when they fall into sin, they will exercise what you saw in chapter 1. Confess their sins and trust that God is faithful and just to forgive their sins. On the other hand, those who are children of the devil, like their father, will be characterized by lawlessness and lack of repentance. So it becomes evident in this text who is of God and who is of the devil. The one who is of God is the one who loves God and his laws who love the people of God, who loves righteousness. But the one who is of the devil will not want to do what is right, will not want to love those who are in the family of God. So what we're seeing here in this passage is at least three, uh, let me just deal with three implications for us uh, as believers. Number one, is that the primary call of this passage is to continue in Christ, to grasp our identity as children of God and to strive to live righteous lives before him. Is to realize who we are that you've been adopted into God's family, to understand our identity as the children of God, and to strive with the help of the Spirit to love righteousness and hate sin. The second thing is that we need to realize that Jesus came to deal with sin and to destroy the work of the devil. This is a, a great encouragement for perseverance in Christ and to fight against our, our own inclinations towards sin. That which we are embracing as we embrace sin, as we become comfortable in sin, has been destroyed. We are just holding on to the carcasses of that which has been destroyed by God at the cross. So therefore, let it go before it spoils and spoils you with it. This is an encouragement for you and I to persevere in Christ, to fight against sin, to know that we are now in sort of the, the, the last uh, portion or the last leg of the war against sin. The decisive blow has been dealt with Christ's death at the cross. But what we are getting now is a wounded work of the evil one who continues to roam around 
looking for someone to, to take down with him. But he has been defeated. And we should not be caught in his snares. And then lastly, we see here that all Christians struggle with the fact that uh, we live in a fallen world is the life that we are called to. The devil will have us give up in our fight for righteousness. But what we are now is the children of God. And what we will be when Christ returns should encourage us to continue on in our fight against sin. The devil would discourage us and say, we live in a sinful world. The, uh, the situation is hopeless. Let us ourselves embrace the hopelessness of the world. What, uh, like what, what, what will you do? You know, um, We may resign ourselves and say, if I don't, I don't know, pay the bribe for the driver's license, Will I even, would I ever get it? I want to say that that is the devil acting as though sin has not been defeated. But rather, we should listen to Christ and continue on the path of righteousness and not grow weary of doing good and not be tired of doing the right thing. So that when Christ appears, we may not be ashamed before him. So this is a call to fight, to strive, to trust in Christ. In the face of disappointment, to keep on believing in Christ who defeated sin and to live as children of God who have been redeemed and brought into this family and we are therefore called to live as our father lives to be righteous as he is righteous let us pray and ask God for help with that Heavenly Father we praise you that we have not left us on our own in the fight for righteousness. We praise you that you have Christ as our example, that we have you, O Lord, in us through your Spirit, prompting us to do what is right. I pray that you would help us, Lord, that you would help us indeed to do what pleases you, to be committed to righteousness. I pray that you would empower us with your spirit to not, grow, to not grow weary of doing good. We pray and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.